Hi, this is Lennis of PraiseWorks and Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond e-magazine. Welcome to another great edition of the Wellness Journey podcast series. I'm always so glad when you all take the time to listen to us and the wonderful guests that we have, and I'm always excited. But today in particular, I'm excited and honored to have with us a fantastic guest who's well-known for all of, her, all of her work when it comes to relationships and maintaining healthy relationships. But she also has now written a book about how to maintain a relationship after one departs. And I think it's just so key. Uh, and I'm excited to have with us Dr. Jamie Turnoff, uh, who is also known as Dr. Love. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in just a moment. But before we bring her on, you know, I'd like to spend a little time with you all, let you know what's going on with Praise Works Health and Wellness. By the time you hear this radio broadcast, um, the uh, seventh edition of Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond e-magazine will be out. So if you have not subscribed, please make sure that you do. You can uh, subscribe right on our show page, or you can go to my website at praiseworks.biz. That's praiseworks.biz. And, of course, the subscription is absolutely free. I'm so excited about this edition because it's going to be about loving the total you mind, body, and spirit. And we have some great writers that have, uh, donate, uh, that have given us some fantastic uh, articles about the things that you need to do to continue to nurture your mind, body, and spirit. So again, if you haven't subscribed, uh, click on the link here on the show page or go directly to the website praiseworks.biz and click on the Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond banner and subscribe. That way you'll get it delivered directly to your mailbox or your email. And remember, this is a green magazine, meaning it's totally virtual, and the shelf life uh, goes on forevermore. So no matter when you might listen to this broadcast, you can always go and take a look at the magazine and also subscribe to Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond e-magazine. Now let's get on with our program. Again, I'm so excited to have with us Dr. Jamie Turnoff. It's uh, Turndorf. I just thought you might want Turndorf, D-O-R-F, yeah. Dr. Jamie Turndorf, thank you so much. And yeah. welcome to the Wellness Journey. And Dr. Uh, Turndorf, as is um, the um, tradition on the Wellness Woman um, or, and also on Wellness Journey, 40 and beyond, uh, we like to talk a lot about your background and what uh, caused you to become specialized in what it is you do. So tell us a little bit about you and uh, why relationships um, here in the here and now and beyond is such a passion for you. Well, as I explain in Love Never Dies, Linus, uh, most shrinks become shrinks because they came from crazy families. <laughs> I'm no exception. <laughs> and I tell my in the first part of Love Never Dies my own story. I came from a family that was very verbally abusive and physically abusive. So shrinks just first go into it thinking maybe I can help my dysfunctional family. And that's the the short version. But, you know, what's so amazing is actually in Love Never Dies, I tell how here I was in this very painful family. And from the time I was a young girl, I had a premonition of the man that I was going to marry. I actually saw him fleshed out. I saw his face. I saw his body. And so as a young girl, I made the decision, I am going to wait until this man appears. I'm not going to date. I'm just going to wait. Mm. And that's what I did. I waited until the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College. You want me to tell you about the meeting? Yes, I would love to. But first let me say this. 
um, your book, Love Never Dies. Yeah. Uh, it's a wonderful book. It's a beautiful book. And I happen to be a Christian uh, from a religious standpoint, but this book transcends any religion. It brought me great comfort uh, to know that there is this point of view out here, and that's why I really wanted to have you on my show. And mm-hmm. listeners, I want you to open your minds and uh, in terms of before you place any judgment as to whether or not this is real or not, because I can tell you, after reading her book cover to cover and drawing some correlations between my own personal experiences, my mother uh, left this plane 26 years ago. Uh, she was hit by a fire truck on her way to work. So it was very traumatic. Uh, for those that she left behind. And I only had maybe one visitation, maybe two from her since she's left. But reading this book uh, really helped me to realize the ways that she has communicated to me uh, after she's gone. And before, I just wrote it off uh, because my level of awareness was not raised. But after reading your book, uh, it has brought great comfort. So thank you for writing this book. Your story is not unusual. So many people call me on Hay House Radio. I have a show there called Love Never Dies. It happens to be the most listened to hour on the Hay House Network, which just goes to show how much my story and my new grief therapy method resonates with the the world. And people will say to me, oh, I'm not getting signs of my loved one's presence. And then, of course, after they read Love Never Dies, they realize, just as you did, oh, I am getting signs. They just passed right beyond my awareness. So yes. <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned that. <clears throat> so would you like me to tell everybody a little bit about our love story and then continue with my own discovery that Jean is right? Absolutely. Writing? It's a beautiful love story. In fact, I'm, I, it, I got really choked up when I read about it because I know mm-hmm. what that's like when you're actually uh, lucky enough to find your soulmate. Yeah. So as I said, I had a premonition of Jean from the time I was a young girl, and I waited. And I just said, I'll wait till he appears. And he appeared actually on the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College. I'd been shut out of all intro sociology classes, and I really wanted to take sociology. So I asked the secretary of the department, what can I do? And she said, go ask the department chair, Jean Pin, if he can find a seat for you in one of the closed sections. Well, the minute I stepped into Jean's office, I had the first and only out-of-body experience of my life. I literally felt my soul shooting at high speed through a tunnel to the end of my life. And when I shot back into my body, I received the message, remember every aspect of this meeting, he's going to be everything to you one day. And then I forgot about it and went about my life as a freshman at Vassar. And soon after meeting Jean, I found out that he had been, for most of his life, one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. He had taught at the Vatican, and he founded a movement called Liberation Theology, designed to fight church oppression from within. And he actually launched to international fame when he publicly opposed the Pope and the Catholic Church as they were trying to block the legalization of divorce in Italy. He was a radical feminist Jesuit priest. He didn't want to see women trapped in marriages where they were being abused. So he fought on the grounds of liberation theology. The church should butt out of the private sector. He won. He got the divorce bill passed. And soon after, the Pope granted him the dispensation of his vows so he wasn't excommunicated, left the Jesuit order and the priesthood, and he was recruited by Vassar College to be the chair of the Department of Sociology, where he had been for 10 years on the day that I met him. Now, everybody has to know this because this really figures into the story and 
I was raised by a completely different, uh, in a completely different background. I, my parents were two devout Jewish atheists. The only religion they practiced was religiously hating each other and me. <laughs> and they taught me not to believe in God or the afterlife. I never read the Bible, never went to church, never went to synagogue. And so you can see a completely different background from Jean. Now, in the senior year at Vassar, I needed help with the statistical portion of my thesis. And I had heard that, among other things, Jean had founded the Vatican's first and only social research center. He had been a very prominent statistician. So I asked him if he would help me with my statistics. He cheerfully gave me his time, and within a couple of weeks, we just knew. We were crazy for each other. We were twins separated at birth. We were soulmates, as you said a couple minutes ago. From that moment on, for the following 27 years, we were inseparable. We were just crazy for each other. Now, in the last year of Jean's bodily existence, we both started having a premonition that he was going to die of an accident. We just didn't know when or where it was going to happen. So we go to Italy on our final vacation, and one day we're sitting on the beach, and Jean has his hand up over his head as if to block the rays of the sun. The next thing I know, a bee swoops down and stings his left hand at the exact location of Christ's stigmata, and I now watch my beloved suffocate to death in front of my eyes from this beasting, and he's ripped from me. Now, I try to explain in Love Never Dies the trauma of having him ripped in this way from me. <clears throat> I go back to the hotel room. I'm lying on the bed, and I'm shaking, and I'm trembling, and I'm crying. I'm hysterical. And the next thing I know, I feel that man's hand stroke the entire length of my spine. I know what I felt. I sit bolt upright. I look over my shoulder. I don't see anything. But he was with me in spirit form, and he has been with me from that moment on ever since. And his astonishing and ongoing manifestations to this day in front of witnesses have proven to me we don't die, and therefore our relationships aren't meant to end in death. And so what I've done in Love Never Dies is I've created a groundbreaking new what I call transdimensional grief therapy method. It totally diverges from the Western approach, which is grieve, let go, and move on, which only leaves the bereaved at a greater loss. Instead, my method shows you how to say hello, not goodbye, to your loved ones in spirit, and how to do it without a medium, a channeler, or a psychic. And then there's just one more thing that Love Never Dies helps you to do. As a shrink, I know millions of people harbor unfinished business with those in yeah. spirit. And again, Western grief therapy gives us no way of making peace with those in spirit. So my new dialoguing with the departed technique offers us the first vehicle in history for not only reconnecting, but making peace with the deceased. Yes, that is so true, because in my situation, my mother was basically, I, I like those words, ripped from my existence. It was during a pretty traumatic time in my life. I had just had my third child. Uh, and she was only five weeks old, and then I had a 17-month-old and a four-year-old. And uh, my youngest sister was only 17. So it came, not that death ever comes at a good time, but it came at a time when there was a lot of transition and change going on. And I had to figure out how to still go on with my life, raising these young children and helping my sister grow up without my mother. And there were many, many unsettled uh, issues at the time that she passed mm -hmm. on. And that's why I think that you're, 
book is so powerful because you address that. You talk about uh, the importance of people, parents who have lost their children or uh, parents who need or, or people who need to reconnect with folks they still have issues with, how important yep. it is to reconnect and to resolve those issues. Exactly, exactly. So the, what I do in Love Never Dies is I kind of break the book into three parts. The first part is my story, and I show the reader, I take you on the journey with me as I discover his ongoing presence in my life. Part two, then, I go into helping people overcome the false beliefs and false religious teachings that block reconnection. And then in part three, I show you how to make your own reconnection and how to dialogue to work out any unfinished business. So would you like me to take you and your listeners on a little bit of the journey of some of the miracles, the manifestations that Jean brought us to let us know he's here? Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Let me do that. So... So in part one, the memoir part, I pick up from the night that Jean left his body and he stroked my, you know, the length of my spine. And I tell next about how the first night back from Italy, I was lying in the bed and I heard Jean quoting something to me. I didn't know what it was. It was some kind of a passage. And I'll come back to that in a minute and explain why that was so significant. Now, the next morning... I stumbled down to the kitchen. I hadn't slept the whole night, and I was just, you know, wrecked. And I hear Jean saying to me, Jamie, I want you to open the door to the back garden. I want to show you something. So I open the door, and the next thing I see, right in front of the door, standing, sitting on the stoop, is a little chipmunk. And I look at the chipmunk, and it's obvious that chipmunk is in a trance. He's not moving, and he's not running away, and he's not frightened by my standing right there. And he begins to mimic my husband's bodily departure. He literally takes his little hand and starts ripping at his face, pulling at his face, mimicking the way my husband was ripping at the oxygen mask because the air wasn't getting into his lungs. And, of course, tears are pouring down my face as I watch this animal recreating my husband's bodily departure. And for 20 minutes, I watch him ripping at his face and choking and coughing. And then I literally see, after 20 minutes, this animal coughs up, visibly coughs up a wonk of mucus, and he's in peace. And I knew that this was my husband's way of communicating with me through this little animal. I have since dubbed animals, both domestic and wild, as open vessels because spirit naturally speaks to us through these open vessels. Now, the next thing that happened was I had to fax Jean's death certificate to my phone carrier, Verizon, and throughout the day, I had sent many multi-page faxes without a hitch. But when I had to send his death certificate, the cover letter faxed, no problem, but then the machine hung up and would not fax his death certificate. So I tried again with the obit. Again, cover letter faxes without a hitch, but the obit won't go. I tried 20 times, same thing happened. The next day, I go to my lawyer's office and I bring the papers with me. I don't say why, I just ask the secretary, would you mind faxing this for me to Verizon? I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. After 20 minutes, all the secretaries come out and they're crying. They said, Jamie, we tried 20 times. Every time the cover letter faxes without a hitch, but the death certificate and the obit will not fax. They said, he's trying to tell you he's not gone. So I come home. And again, I have to fax the death certificate somewhere else, and again, it hangs up. So I stop and I say to him, Jean, I think you're hanging this up because I keep forgetting that you're still here with me. If I promise, if I promise to try to remember, will you let this fax go through in its entirety? 
I suddenly feel a tidal wave of love pouring into me, and I know that that was Jean's answer to me. I heard you. Okay. I reissue the facts, and it goes through in its entirety. So at this point now, I'm starting to realize some pretty amazing things are happening. (laughs) Strangers are walking up to me, and they're saying, your husband says, tell our story, and they walk on. (laughs) And now, around this time, I, the atheist, suddenly feel the need to pray to my husband to help a friend of mine named Emily. Emily never met Jean, never saw a photo of Jean, nor did Jean ever see her. It was 4.58, I'll never forget it, and I'm driving, and I say, Jean, I'm praying to you to please help my friend Emily find love. As soon as I issue the prayer, I again feel that tidal wave of love, which is Jean's way of acknowledging to me, I heard you, your prayer is is answered. I look at the clock on the dashboard, and I note that it's 4.58. That night, I get a phone call from Emily. She says to me, Jamie, you will not believe what happened. What happened, I ask. She says, at 4.58 exactly, my cell phone rang. Oh, no, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. She said, at 4.58 exactly, I fell into a trance. She said, your husband appeared to me, and he said to me, to find love, follow the gray stones to the church in your neighborhood. Well, I was blown away because she was repeating the exact words of the prayer that I made to my husband. So he was validating his presence through her, saying, you see, I heard you. Now, the next week, I go to my professional group. She's a member in the professional group. She tells the story. She gets to the part about Jean telling her to go to the church in her neighborhood, to follow the gray stones to the church in her neighborhood to find love. So another member of our group, Mitch Wood, a former seminarian, says, what's the name of the church that Jean sent you to? She says, oh, the Claremont Church. Mitch says, oh, my gosh. The Claremont Church is New York City's only liberation theology seminary. Remember I said Jean founded liberation theology? So he was putting his stamp on this manifestation in so many ways. So now I'm just going to give one more example, and it involves communicating with me through what I call earthly props, which are electronic devices, often the phone or the computer. So this is the phone, how he communicated with me through the phone. So one day, I described this in Love Never Dies. I was very upset, and I was actually crying on the floor of my closet. And I was thinking, I have to call my friend Ann. And I'm thinking, no, don't bother her. She's working. It's her work day. And after about 20 minutes of my mental hemming and hawing, in the distance, I hear my phone ring. I drag myself up off the the closet floor, and I get the phone, and it's Anne. She says to me, Jamie, did you call? I said, Anne, no, but I was thinking I needed to talk to you. She said, but Jamie, my phone rang, and your name and number appeared on the caller ID. We were blown away that John did that so that she would know I needed to talk to her. So a year later, I have a chest cough, and I am frightened that I am going to suffocate to death. I can't breathe, and I say to Jean out loud, I'm begging you to do that caller ID phone trick and do it now. Do it with my housekeeper, Donna. Let me know you're here. Put my name and number on her caller ID. Two seconds later, my phone rings. It's Donna. She says, Jamie, did you call? I said, no, Donna, but I asked Jean to put my name and number on your caller ID. She said, well, my phone rang and your name and number appeared on my caller ID. Okay, so 
Now I'm in my professional writer's group, and I'm telling all the stories of Jean's manifestations. And Gabe Davis, a devout Jewish atheist, says to me, you know, I'd like to see that caller ID phone trick repeated. And this time, I would like to see whether your phone call log shows a record of having dialed out even though you didn't use the phone. I forget the challenge. A month later, I'm driving behind Gabe Davis and his wife, Robin, en route to meet them at a restaurant for dinner. All of a sudden, I feel that tidal wave of love again. I look at the dash on my clock. It's 5.45. I get to the restaurant. Gabe stampedes me in the parking lot. He says, Jamie, you won't believe what happened. What happened, Gabe? He said, at 5.45, my cell phone rang. I looked at the caller ID. Your name and number appeared. He said, I picked up the call, and a man's voice said, is Jamie there? Is Jamie there? He said the voice had an accent and prolonged the syllable, there. Well, Jean was French, and he did prolong that word. It sounded like there. He said it was not a real call. The voice just faded away. The call never clicked off. He said, go get your phone and see if it called me at 545. So I dig into my purse. I hadn't used the phone the whole day. And sure enough, at 5.45, Jean manipulated my phone to dial out to Gabe. So the point of all Jean's over-the-top manifestations, the point is this. He asked me to tell our story. So these manifestations are for you and for everybody listening. Because Jean told me right after he left his body, Jamie, let our love shine like a torch that lights the path for others. So our story is meant to let everybody know your loved ones are here with you too. They're just waiting for you to open the door of your heart and let them back in. Such a beautiful story. And, and listen, I, I want you to know I was so excited about having uh, Dr. Turndorf on the show that I neglected to tell you that she holds a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. And she is renowned and a respected relationship therapist and author of many books. And it's no coincidence, I believe, that all of this is also done through you for those individuals who are like, well, that couldn't possibly be. She's right. a quack or whatever. But no, you're a very respected, educated clinical psychologist. Uh, and for something like this to happen through you, it, it just, to me, gives it even more credibility because, as you said, initially, um, you and your husband were raised very differently, different beliefs, different right. walks in terms of uh, what you believed, and yet and still, uh, I, this message was given through you, which I think is so powerful. That's right. It's all part of our destiny. It was part of a soul pact that I would carry on this ministry. It was all written. Absolutely right. So what I do next in uh, part two of Love Never Dies is I move into helping everybody else overcome the false beliefs and the false religious teachings that prevent so many people from reconnecting. So would you like to talk a little bit about that so I can help start bringing your audience into their own reconnection? Absolutely. I think it's very important. And let me tell you a little bit about some of my audience. A large percentage of them are women over 40, right. and a large percentage of them are faith-based. So I think this is a real important part of the discussion for them to hear this piece. Absolutely. And, you know, it's also very important to remember Jean was one of the most famous theologians. So that's, that is a big part of our story. So remember I said a few minutes ago that my first night back, Jean was quoting something to me, and I didn't know what it was. Yes. Okay. 
Now, I'm going to talk about that now because this is important for your faith-based audience to hear about. The first obstacle that most Christian and Catholic people have to reconnecting with those in spirit is the false belief that we're not supposed to stay in connection with our loved ones in spirit. So that first night back from Italy, when John was quoting something, the next day I went to meet his priest for the first time in order to prepare the readings for his funeral. And I said to the priest, Jean has been talking to me and he's quoting something. Now the priest raised his brow in obvious skepticism, like this woman has lost her marbles. But then when I told him what Jean said to me, he blanched, he crossed himself, and he said to me, and I'm quoting, Dear God, Jamie, at first I did not believe that Jean was talking to you, but I do now. And then he told me I was quoting an obscure biblical passage from the communion of saints. Like I would have known, as I said, I never read the Bible, I never went to church or synagogue, and John and I did not discuss religion when he lived in a body. So it took me a year to understand why Jean chose to quote that and only that biblical passage to me. Now remember, he was a religious pioneer in life, and he continues to be in the afterlife. The communion of saints says that our loved ones in spirit are one with or in communion with God and the saints. And since the Bible is telling us we are supposed to stay in communion and communication with God and the saints, it means the Bible is also telling us we're supposed to stay in communion and communication with our loved ones in spirit because they are one with God and the saints. So the point is, Jean wants us all to know, what we have been told about the afterlife is dead wrong, if you'll pardon my pun. As he said to me, heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is here and now. And what this means is we're not supposed to live in an emotional wasteland separated from those we love, waiting until we quote-unquote die and enter heaven. Because heaven is here and now, and heaven is all around us, it means we're supposed to reconnect with our loved ones in spirit now. That is so beautiful and so comforting. Right. For those who might feel that their connection to their loved one is lost forever. And right. I myself have gotten indications of that with my experience with my mother. So I, and now I can actually put a faith and a meaning behind it after reading your book. And it's quite comforting to know that. Yes, and that, there's, that it's actually, you know, the Bible has been interpreted by man. And Jaw is basically showing everyone you guys have missed an obvious connection here. And it's right here in the Bible. This is not contrary to Christian teaching. Mm-hmm. It's right in the Bible. So here's some other ones that people really, really need to revisit. And this is a big misconception. People will often say, oh, it prevents you from moving on with your life if you reconnect with your loved ones in spirit. This is the exact opposite. Everyone I helped connect, Everyone I help connect each week on Hay House Radio or anyone who reads the book, I get letters and calls all over the world telling me, oh my gosh, you've transformed my grief to joy instantly. Because what happens is when we reconnect, we stop grieving and we are now more fully able to enter our lives in joy instead of just marinating in misery and we're not living our lives fully. So it's the opposite. Now, the other thing that's so important is People will say, well, you're holding them back from performing their work. Well, this is absolutely untrue as well, because all I hear again and again is from Jean and from all the spirit beings that I connect with, 
What else is there for me to do? It's my full-time mm-hmm. occupation to love you. Their work is to support us, to guide us, to fulfill our emotional growth and our spiritual destinies. That's what they're here for. They have nothing else to do. That is their work. <laughs> okay? Now, another one, I, this one I, I have to get at too is, well, you know, if you reconnect with a, a partner, a life partner, or a spouse, you're not going to be able to love another person. Well, that's like saying to a mother, do you love your first child? Yes. Well, then you can't have any more because you can't love more than one child. Our hearts are made to love. We have plenty of room to love everybody who walks the earth plane and everybody who's in the spirit plane. Okay? And now here's another one, and this will be the last one I'll I'll mention. I go through all of these obstacles and help you debunk them in part two of Love Never Dies. The last one is, well, you're opening the door to evil. A lot of Christians believe this one. Well, you know, there's a devil out there, and if you open the door, it's not safe. Well, first of all, Jean, the Dalai Lama said that Jean was one of the 50 men of all time who was one with God, okay? So he never spoke about devils and dark forces. It didn't even exist. As far as he was concerned, there was no such thing. And I truly, truly believe this. Whatever we think of as the devil is a projection of our own dark forces, our own angry impulses. There is no devil. There may be spirit beings who are less evolved, but there's no such thing as a devil. And that's really important for people to get. That's just not so. And plus uh, plus our loved ones in spirit are our gatekeepers. They're Mm. here to protect us and love us and guard us. And we have something called internal spiritual blocking too, spiritual call blocking. You don't want to take a call, don't take the call. Set a boundary. I don't want to talk to... I don't have to. So that is, that is so important. So now the next thing people have to get is how does spirit communication even happen? So in the second part of part two of Love Never Dies, I demystify this whole process because really all we're talking about here is energy, energetic communication, sending and receiving energetic signals. We do it all the time. You know how we're all born with this this innate ability to communicate energetically. Think about when you're parked at a light and you look over at a driver in the neighboring car. Doesn't that driver always look back at you? Because he he senses the energetic frequency of your gaze. How do twins know when the other's in trouble, even when they're living on opposite ends of the world? They sense the energetic frequency. So basically what I'm talking about here is teaching you how to do what I call tune to the spirit channel of your brain that you learn how to send and receive energetic signals to those in spirit because it's the same thing that we do on the earth plane now we're just sending sending to the spirit plane now there is one more thing that people need to realize because um when we shed the turtle shell of our body the energy of our being doesn't go away einstein said energy cannot be destroyed So we leave the turtle shell behind, we're still here. So they're just waiting for us to drop all the misconceptions and learn how to speak to them back and forth. They're just waiting for us to do this. Now, a lot of reasons why people don't reconnect is because they've been told that it's not even possible to do so. And I discovered this right after... Jean left his body. I went back to see his priest, and I kept giving him new examples of Jean's manifestations. And the priest said to me, you know, Jamie, once Jean's in heaven, you're not going to hear from him anymore. This is the biggest misconception of all. 
what, that uh, the cell signals from Earth can't reach the cell towers in heaven? You, you know, these human conceptions are dead wrong. So it was bothering me so much that he said this. And that night, I made the circle for my professional group, uh, for my um, therapy group that I run in the house. And everybody was late except one woman named Ashley. She was a new patient meeting me for the first time. All of a sudden, I hear, ding, ding. That's the sound that my front door chime makes when it opens, when the burglar alarm registers the door opening. And then we both hear loud, pounding footsteps, and they stop in the waiting room opposite my group room. And then I say to her, gosh, I think somebody got his time wrong and doesn't realize I run a group now. Now we hear the footsteps leaving, going in the opposite direction, and we hear the front door go ding, 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 ding again. So I said, I've got to go grab this person and see what's going on. Now, mind you, in the two steps that it would have taken me to get from my office to the front door, there's no way that a person could have walked down my super long driveway and gotten to his car which is parked very far away from the front door. There's no way that could have happened without me seeing the person walking down the driveway. So I take the two steps, go to the front door, open the front door. There's nobody there. There's no car. So I come back and I say to Ashley, there was nobody there. And she says to me, it was a spirit, Jamie. That was Jean's answer to the priest's statement, once I'm in heaven, you're not going to hear from me anymore. Did you hear those footsteps? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, that is, right? Wow. Yeah, that is. Woo. And it, it makes you just, for me anyway, it makes me reflect on other times when I've heard certain things like that. And I just discounted it because my awareness was not raised. And exactly. since reading your book, yes, and since reading your book, now I'm looking Yes, it opens your eyes. Now, that is so perfect what you're saying because now we segue into part three of Love Never Dies, which is where I actually show you how to establish your own connection with loved ones in spirit, without a medium, without a channeler, without a psychic. psychic. And as I said, we all have the innate ability to communicate with spirit. And it's nothing more than learning how to tune to that spirit channel in your brain and send and receive signals. So Jean showed me how to do this. And then in Love Never Dies, I teach you what Jean showed me. So the first chapter in part three of Love Never Dies is creating a state of receptivity. So Jean said to me early on, Jamie, the noise of the day drowns me out. So anytime you want to hear me, come to the bed and be still and quiet. So I show you in this chapter in Love Never Dies how to create your own pockets of peace, how to sit in silence, how to turn off the TV, how to turn off the music, how to find the peaceful practice that's right for you, yoga, tai chi, qigong. And then I show you a a breathing exercise because, as Jean showed me, spirit is born on the breath. Then I teach you how to surrender to all your emotional states, but don't allow your emotions to wash you overboard because if you're too upset, then you block the sending and the receiving of energetic signals. And then last but not least, I show you how to open up your five senses. Because remember, because spirit beings have shed the turtle shell of their bodies, they're freed from the physical vessel of the body, but they are now pure energy, and they are able to energetically send signals to all your senses. So the more your sensory receiver is turned on, the easier it's going to be for you to perceive the signs that are being sent your way all the time. 
So actually, I do here at my home a very exclusive, I call it the Love Never Dies retreat. And people come to my home, and they also attend from all over the world, virtually. And what we do is I bring all these five sense exercises to life. We work for four hours so that you are more open to see, smell, touch, taste, hear, feel the signs that are being sent. Now, the next chapter in part three of Love Never Dies comes back to what you said, how to recognize the signs. And you said it so brilliantly. Many people say, I'm not getting signs because they're not aware of what the signs are. And when I lay out a list of the signs, or they read a list of the signs of spirit presence in Love Never Dies, in no time they're always saying to me, oh, well, this happened to me, and so did that, and so did this. So the point is, becoming aware of the signs is often sufficient to begin the process of reconnection. And what people need to understand is that spirits influence the material world and send us signs in infinite ways. Signs include sounds and animals behaving oddly like the chipmunk, and they give us odd physical sensations and drafts and temperature changes and chills and goose flesh and... They also do symbolic communication with us through butterflies and rainbows, and they even like to manifest coins that were minted on a year that was significant. I have a really fun example of this. Uh, one of my patients named Kyla, it was the week of the anniversary of Jean's bodily departure, and she comes in the office, and I say to her, you know, Kyla, Jean has been dropping a lot of coins on me this week, as he always does to mark the anniversary of his bodily departure. And the coins are minted the year that he left his body. So Kyla blinks and she says, oh, Jamie, I almost forgot. She says, look at the cowboy boots I'm wearing. She said, they were off my feet in my bedroom at home when all of a sudden I saw a coin, a quarter, falling from thin air and landing in my boot. And I got the message that it was for you. (laughs) And she said, and I forgot to take it out. Let me give it to you now. So as she's going to give me the coin from the boot, I hear Jean say, you'll see, it was minted in 06, the year I left my body. Sure enough, she hands it to me, it was minted in 06. So here's the thing. At this point, Love Never Dies takes spirit communication to an entirely new place. The CEO of Hay House said to me, Jamie, we've never seen anything like what you do next in Love Never Dies. And that's saying something because Hay House is the woo-woo publisher, you know. So what I do now is I show you how to basically bring the signs to life and how to dialogue back and forth with those in spirit to obtain guidance, to heal unfinished business, to make peace. So let me, may I give you an example of how we can dialogue back and forth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Using the help of signs, using the help of open vessels, human and animals who are open to being used to help dialogue, and with the help of earthly props, electronic devices, okay? So let me give you an example to highlight the difference between static signs versus a back and forth communication using the signs and using the open vessels and using the earthly props. So here again, it was the anniversary week of Jean's bodily departure. Notice I don't say death. I say departure because they just leave their bodies. So I went to my chiropractor and Teresa, the secretary, was at the reception desk. We were alone in the office. I tell her, you know, this is the anniversary week of Jean's bodily departure and he's been giving me a lot of signs of his presence. At that moment, I smelled gardenias. I did not say a word. Suddenly, 
Teresa says to me, Jamie, do you smell gardenias? I said, oh, Teresa, that is fantastic. That's the scent of sanctity. And Jean is giving us both a sign that he's here. Okay? Now I go home, and I see a patient named Regina in my office. She needed desperately to reconnect with her sister in spirit. And I told her the story about the scent of gardenias. And at that moment, I heard Jean speaking to me, and he said, but I wish I could give you a bouquet of roses. Now, Jean was dialoguing with me by inducing that thought in my mind. But at this moment, my patient sat up and she said, Jamie, do you smell roses? Now, in this really beautiful, elegant manifestation, Jean put the scent of roses in her mind and the thought of roses to facilitate a back and forth dialogue between him and me because he was using her as an open vessel to let me know I had heard him correctly. And he was also bolstering her confidence and her ability to hear spirit. So he was facilitating our dialogue using her. Now, I want to give another example to show how we dialogue with spirit and how they dialogue with us using not only open vessels, but also earthly props, in this case, a computer. So it was the week of Valentine's Day, and I had just done the Coast to Coast radio show, and Love Never Dies became an overnight bestseller, and it sold out on Amazon. The next thing I know, I get an email from a guy named JC, and he says to me, your husband's burning up my brain with messages for you. Would you speak to me on the phone? I get on the phone, and he says to me, your husband is saying all kinds of things to me in French and Italian. And he starts quoting what my husband's saying, and I know it's my husband because they're things that he used to say to me in French and Italian. And then the guy says to me, but Jamie, I'm a hillbilly. I don't know no Italian. <laughs> Which I said, dude, I believe, I believe you. Your accent's really bad. So now, <laughs> a couple of days later... I get another phone call from the guy. He said, I hope you're sitting down. I said, okay, what's happened? He said, this morning, it's Valentine's Day morning, I'm sitting with my hands on my lap. I'm not even touching my computer. When I hear your husband say to me, send Jamie the photo of the peach-colored rose. Now, nobody in the world knows that not only did Jean give me roses every week, they were peach-colored. Nobody knows but me, right? So the guy says, with my hand in my lap, both hands in my lap, your husband takes over my computer, posts a photo of a peach-colored rose, and then he posts the title of the photo, which is called Peaches and Cream. The night before, I had spoken to this guy, and he said to me, your husband wants you to know your time is now, to which I had replied, My husband always used to say, the cream rises to the top. So there was the photo, peaches and cream. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so beautiful. So beautiful. So here's the thing. I want everybody to understand that you can engage in these same kind of back and forth dialogues, and you can dialogue to say goodbye if someone was ripped from you due to sudden illness or accidental death to support you as you travel down the bumpy road we call life, to assist you in completing your spiritual development, to give you guidance. But what if you're among the millions of people worldwide who have some unfinished business with someone in spirit? Well, now, Love Never Dies shows you how to dialogue back and forth to heal that unfinished business. So we do my visualization, 
and then my meditation for making contact. It's all outlined in Love Never Dies. And then I show you how to dialogue back and forth in writing or using a tape recorder. And here's the thing I want everybody to get. Often we have to wait until someone leaves his or her body in order to work it out because in spirit form they are more evolved and in spirit form they see how they messed up with us, which means they can work it out with us now when they couldn't when they were in a body. Now I figured, I discovered that they get how they made a mistake only after they've left their body. The first week Mm. after I left his body, I went to the car repair shop and they don't know me there because Jean did the car thing. And I introduced myself to Debbie, who's at the desk, and I tell her Jean just left his body. Debbie says, oh, I'm a widow too. Instantly, her husband starts beating down my door, and he's saying to me, tell her to stop making the same mistake that I made with our son because now you're doing it and you're creating the same power struggle. Well, she hmm. burst tears she cried and she confirmed it was true but what struck me about it was he understood what he did wrong after he left his body he didn't get it while he was still in his body so as one of my patients said to me i wish my mother would hurry up and die so we could finally work this out and that's no joke it's true yeah so now well, here's- also yeah. I was going to say that when, when they pass on to the other plane, yep. I'm wondering if it also gives them a higher ability to be able to understand things they just could right. not understand on this plane. That's right, because when they leave their bodies, you're actually right. They get a life review that shows them everything that they did wrong. So they definitely have a more elevated perspective. Now, but here's the other thing that I want everybody to know. They desperately want to work it out with us. They need our help to help them evolve spiritually. They need to make peace with us. They need to be confronted over what they've done as much as we need to work it out with them. Now, how do I know this? It was Good Friday, and Jean said to me that I want you to go see the bird lady. She's a woman I didn't know personally, but she tried to help us save our little canary, Fluffy, and it was unsuccessful. So it's many years later, I don't know, five, seven years later, he tells me, go see her today. So I go to her bird studio, I walk in the door, and she points out a Gouldian finch in a cage right near the entrance. She says, you see this little finch? I look over, the finch looks very bad, puffed up, slumped over, looking sick. She says, this finch has not eaten for two days, and they're such small birds that if it doesn't get food in it by the end of the day, it will be dead. So I said to her, may I help the bird? She said, if you want to try. Now, I go over to the cage, and I energetically communicate with the bird. Now, this is the same thing I was talking about, energetic communication. I didn't need to speak aloud to send an energetic signal to the bird, but I did speak aloud so that she would hear what I was saying. I say to the bird, I want you to go down to your seed bowl right now and start eating. As soon as I tell the bird to do it, it goes down, and it starts to scarf up seeds like a little vacuum. The more the bird scarfs, the stronger it gets. Now the bird's starting to jump and chirp. At this moment, I hear a message, and it sounds like it's Lainey's mother. I don't know who's in spirit and who isn't, but this woman is saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I was such a weakling, I didn't protect you from him. So I say this out loud to Lainey. And she bursts into tears, and she says, that's my mother. 
My mother always called herself a weakling. I, I was blown away. Now I look down at the bird, and the bird is starting to look sick again, craning his neck upward, and he's not eating. And I am aware that this other spirit presence that's surrounding Lainey's mother is making the bird sick. So I say to the bird, don't even worry, go back to eating. I'll help Lainey with this other presence. With that, I feel my eyes being pulled to the ceiling to a purple witching ball, and I'm confused. Did I give her this? I owned the same witching ball. I couldn't remember. But it was through mind melding and kind of thought induction that I was being pulled to look at it because the spirit was making me talk about it. And I asked her, did I give you that? She says, no, I bought it for protection. That was the doorway into the conversation with her father. And the next thing I hear is her father says, you don't need protection from me anymore. I know that I sexually molested you, and I know that I hurt you, and I know you still feel afraid like a little girl. You've never worked it out, and I am begging you to confront me over what I did. I can't progress unless you confront me, and I know you can't heal and come past this trauma until you confront me. So we talked back and forth, back and forth, until she arrived at peace with her father. So here's the neatest part of all. So we all know what is our purpose on earth. It's to perfect our ability to love ourselves and others. This life is what I call our love lab. And we can't love others, obviously, if we don't love ourselves. And in Love Never Dies, I talk about the fact that I am living proof of the challenge. How do you love yourself when you were raised in a crazy, abusive family? As I said, I was beaten physically. I was beaten verbally. And my problem was that I continued to hear my parents' mean voices putting me down in my head long after I left home. And even though my husband was so loving to me and so present, I still heard those voices. Mm. After he left his body, I went to my professional group in the city, and I was crying, and I said, I just can't get those voices to go away. And all the other shrinks said, well, just yell louder. Tell him to shut the F up. Well, I knew that this didn't work. It never worked for me. It didn't work for my patients. So I come home, and I am now weeping. And I said to Jean, I am begging you to help me. You must help me because their voices are tearing down my self-esteem no matter how successful I am. It's never enough. I'm begging you to help me. All of a sudden, he appears to me as the embodiment of love. He's surrounded in golden light. He takes my face in his hands. He turns me toward him in the light, and he says to me, Jamie, listen, listen, listen to me. Let my love for you fully enter you. And in that moment, a miracle occurred. I literally felt Jean's love for me become my own self-love. And in that moment, I realized Jean had to be freed from the vessel of his human body in order for his love to fully enter me. As long as he was in a physical body, it didn't penetrate me in the same way. So the point of all this is that the most amazing way to fast-track our self-love is to reconnect with our loved ones in spirit. And when we do, and we open our hearts, just open our hearts to them and allow them to heal all our unfinished business, heal every corner of our souls, we now become an overflowing well of love that we can share with the world. And that is love never dies. 
It's so beautiful, and it is the ultimate continuum of the whole necessity of the mind, body, spirit, wellness. We want to make sure that each one of those things are in connection with each other, and we can't be totally well until we're able to resolve some of those long-standing issues that we've had with our loved ones, including those who have passed on. And I have to tell you, yeah. while you were talking, I, you mentioned something about physical things that show up here and there. That, mm-hmm. uh, And you also mentioned how sometimes they show up through um, mint, the mint, through coins and things. Just the other day, mm-hmm. I found a coin out of nowhere on the side of my bed. Now, I have just moved <laughs> to a brand new, I've just moved to a brand new home, so there's not a lot of it's stuff around. Things are still in boxes and in right. cases. Uh, there's no, you know, a lot of chairs and things that you've right. been piling up for years and years. This was a, di- a, a, a penny in the middle of the floor. So penny heaven. Up, a penny. A penny yes. from heaven, you know the and saying. And I remember, I remember picking it up and putting it over to the side of my bed on the floor. I don't know right. why I did that, okay? I just went back to that penny. I ran upstairs, <laughs> went back to the penny to look at it. I said, okay, what's the year? What's the year? It's a very, very old penny, very old. I can barely see the, the year. So finally I looked at it and said, okay, it's 1967. I said, okay, 1967, what does that mean? I was Eight? born in 19, 1957. Well, I know that seven is the number of completion, but I also thought, well, what happened in 1957? And then I remembered. My mother was pregnant in 1957, or 19, uh, 1967. I was 10 years old, and uh, she lost the baby. Damn. And uh, she never quite got over that. She did have another child after that, but when she got pregnant with my sister, who was only 17 when she passed, everybody was so nervous about her because she had lost, this baby in 1967, and another one in 1972. So when she got pregnant with uh, my sister, who, uh, who is now in her early 40s, we were so nervous about this. But right. she has a baby. And this is, to me, I, I think I know what this means. Of course, yes, it is from heaven, but also that she's been reunited with the, with the babies that she lost and that she's okay That's and that she's right. happy. You got it. Yes. You got yes. it. And now that, that you read Love Never that. Dies, you were more aware. You paid attention absolutely. to that was a sign. When you, absolutely. When you mentioned the, uh, the penny, I said, wait a minute. I just saw one the other day. And as I said, I'm looking for signs because there are signs everywhere. But I missed it. And, and I remember reading about that in the book, but I missed it. It just didn't resonate with me. But then again, I saw this penny after I had read the book. And that's why it's so important. Sometimes people learn through reading. Sometimes they learn through seeing. And sometimes they learn... Uh, through uh, audio, through listening. And that's why I want to encourage all of our listeners to listen to your broadcast. They are such a blessing, and they have definitely made a change in my life when it comes to being able to resolve issues with my mom after she's moved on to another plane. So I thank Mm -hmm. you for being obedient (laughs) to your husband. Yeah, for being obedient to your husband, and he made that request, and you followed through, and you wrote this wonderful book uh, that is going to help so many thousands of people. And, and Dr. Turnoff, Turndorf, am I saying that correctly? Turndorf. Right. Uh, for those people who would like to find out, where, where do they go to get the book? Where do they go to purchase the book? All right. So find everything at my website, AskDrLove, A-S-K-D-R-Love.com. AskDrLove.com. And there I have a free gift for your listeners as well. When they purchase Love Never Dies, and you can buy it right on my my website under the store. There's a store drop-down. When they purchase it, 
They can send proof of purchase to my webmaster, webmaster at AskDrLove.com. We will send you an exclusive video of my Bigger Game Expo talk where Jean made a manifestation on film, and it was captured. That was really fun. Also, when you sign up for my free newsletter, you will receive the preface and intro to get you going on the Love Never Dies healing journey. And a lot of people do this while they're waiting to receive their book in the mail. And also, if you want to have a more personal experience of bringing Love Never Dies to life, you can join me in one of my retreats. Virtually, people are coming from California, China, everywhere, and you can tune in live or virtually, and I will bring the Love Never Dies experience to life for you. I'll help you reconnect and dialogue while we're together. I'll help you recognize the signs, create a state of receptivity. So that's all on AskDrLove.com. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. And everyone on the show page, you can um, go ahead and click on that link. It will take you directly to her website. I encourage you to sign up for her newsletter, uh, to uh, get the book. It is such a blessing in my life. And to listen to her show. There's so many wonderful things that they talk about on her show. And we have so much. It's a Hay House show or Ask Dr. Love. I have two different radio shows, so... If you want to speak to me live on the Hay House Radio Show and dialogue with your departed, you can tune in to hayhouseradio.com Tuesdays noon Eastern time and uh, connect with me there as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Turndoss, for being on the show today. It's been wonderful to hear your story in person. You are special. It's really been great knowing you and spending this hour with you. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Again, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this show. I, I, once again, I told you it was going to be special. I want to hear from you. Please email me at thewellnessjourney at yahoo.com, thewellnessjourneyyahoo.com. I want to hear about all your breakthroughs and inspirations and things that have, have happened for you as a result of listening to this show in particular and other shows that you've listened to uh, on The Wellness Journey. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Lennis from PraiseWorks and Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond e-magazine. We'll see you again next time.